You are listening to Truth Be Told in 10 by Women Repurposed. Today and the rest of the month, you will be hearing from our founder, Alicia Elian, and our director of content, Lacey Stevenson, as they dig into the resurrection. Now, if you're like many of us, your initial thought is, Easter is over, isn't it? But as you will hear these ladies discuss, for us as believers, the Easter holiday is only the beginning of a lifelong daily celebration. You might want to take notes or at least plan to listen to this one twice because it is that good. You ready? Let's talk truth. Hey, Lacey, I am so excited to be having this discussion with you. We've been talking a lot about the gospel and about resurrection because it was just Easter, right? <laughs> Happy belated Easter, Alicia. Is that, is that something that you say? I don't know if that's something that you say. Happy belated Easter. I guess if like you forget to, to say that to someone, you say, I don't know. Do you even celebrate yeah. Easter in Colorado? That's what I want to know. It's so cold. Yes, we do celebrate Easter in Colorado, and I know that your family's been having a big celebration leading up to Easter. Do you want to maybe share with our listeners a little bit about what you your family has been doing over the last couple of weeks? I would love to do that. I've been so excited about this new tradition, and it's really kind of an old tradition if you think about it. We started celebrating Passover together as a family, um, and this is actually the first year that we invited extended family into what we did last year with our, just our immediate family. I don't know if it was COVID and everyone was locked in the house. We're like, what can we do different this year? And I heard a few um, women speak about how they started doing this with their families. And I thought, you know, that sounds really interesting um, to have a Christian spin or a messianic spin on the Passover cedar that we know was started back in X. Exodus 12, when we we saw how the Lord redeemed the Israelites out of their slavery to the Egyptians in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. And so he, that last time that he came and, um, and he had that plague of killing the firstborn of Egypt, he told the Israelites that if they were to put the blood of a lamb, a lamb that they had um, brought into their home for three days and put it over their doorposts that he would pass over and mm. that they would be saved. And so they had this meal that they were supposed to um, implement and then remember every single year that God had done that for them. And we know that this is mm. a symbol of Jesus and his blood, that if it covers us, then we are also redeemed from our sin. And so there are so many beautiful uh, symbols of Christ through the unleavened bread and the way that it's prepared and um, even the different cups, the cup of redemption and sanctification that point towards Christ. And so our kids absolutely loved it. They're like, wow, we see the connections. And um, and so, yeah, it's something that I, I think we're going to plan on doing every single Easter, just preparing our hearts. And it was something that Jesus did with his disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and then was betrayed. And just a neat connection for our kids to see, oh, this is why we uh, take communion and break the bread and drink the, the grape juice is because uh, during the Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples, um, he was saying, listen, this is me. I am this unleavened bread that was broken for you. And I am the drink. And this is my blood. It represents, he made the connections for us. So, 
it's really, it's really cool. It's not something that we're required to do as Christians, but wow, it just creates so much more meaning to our Easter to um, remember what the Jews actually still do because they're still looking for their Messiah, but we see the fulfillment of it. So if you've never done it, it's not as intimidating <laughs> as it may seem. Um, in fact, on our website, I have a downloadable um, little guide that you can um, download for free. It's a PDF and it walks you through how to do the, the cedar meal and the leader, what he's supposed to say and what stories to read and symbolism. And um, I promise it's not as scary as it may seem. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Hmm. I love that, Alicia. I haven't done that before. I did look at your guide and thought, okay, this is something that I could see us doing, you know, with our kids someday. And I think I think one thing that also just encouraged me about seeing that is just the importance of biblical traditions within our daily rhythms and family rhythms. And I think that really does kind of lead into even just thinking about how each of us celebrated Easter a couple of days ago and what traditions we have in place or maybe are starting to have in place. And so just hearing how you've implemented that with your family starting this year, just a good reminder for us of what are those gospel rhythms and traditions that we can be doing and whether, whether you have a couple of kiddos like Alicia and her husband, or you don't, what are those traditions that you can do with your roommates, with those in your community, with those in your church, um, with a good friend, um, maybe with your husband. And so do you think kind of even just as we think about Easter um, a couple of days ago in the resurrection, I think it's good for us to maybe even ask the question, why don't we talk about the resurrection more? Why maybe on Sunday did we just, you know, see all the pastel colors and the Easter egg hunts in our neighborhood and and maybe have this, you know, certain feeling that maybe, you know, similar to what we feel on Christmas morning. Why do you think, Alicia, that there's maybe a lack of, I don't want to say joy or recognition when we think about the resurrection, but if I'm honest myself, I felt a little different on Sunday morning than I usually do walking into church. What would you say, even personally for yourself, that you've seen grow, um, the ways that God's grown you in the last couple of years as you think about the resurrection or maybe what you see throughout Christian culture as a whole? Yeah, that's, I mean, you make a really good point. I think uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, I grew up, Sunday morning was a big deal. It's where I got dressed up in my little dress and we each got our Easter dresses and we walked And Easter baskets. And Can Easter we talk baskets. about how Easter baskets yes. are like? Santa Claus came, I mean. Oh, well, and it's gotten a lot worse now. Like the expectations, I lowered the bar for my kids. I'm like, no, y'all are too big for Easter baskets. <laughs> you know, when they're asking for money that they're too old for Easter baskets. <laughs> Well, Alicia knows I used to work at Lululemon, and I can't tell you how many pair of Lululemon pants I sold right before Easter for the oh, Easter basket. Oh, and you know what? Our world just, it's so funny. It's kind of like Christmas. Like it, it, it wants to take what God meant to be a celebration and point towards him and use it to be a distraction towards something else. And, and I'm all for having fun, but man, if it distracts <laughs> us from the cross, then we're totally missing it. And yes, yeah. throughout the Bible, throughout scripture, we see God does have certain 
um, feasts and celebrations and rhythms and seasons that uh-huh. we to recognize certain things and remember, just like Passover. Um, uh-huh. So I, I don't think there's a problem with setting out that time or that day to go, oh, this is the day we're going to uh-huh. recognize the resurrection. And it probably was around that time. We know when Passover was in the month of Nisan, and we know what happened right after that. That's uh-huh. Jesus' the disciples. That's when he was crucified. And so Right. It's very appropriate that we set apart a day to do that. But the problem is when it's Hmm. just one day out of the year that that becomes the focus, we miss a big piece, the big piece about our faith. Mm -hmm. And I think it's ultimately harmful. And just for my personal experience, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, Lacey, but I know growing up, I... Uh, trusted Christ as Savior when I was five. I remember standing outside of my home <laughs> on my sidewalk and I just thought, I want Jesus in my heart. Now, we know this idea of Jesus <laughs> coming into our heart. It, you know, doesn't really make sense. It's not really in the Bible anywhere. But to me as a five-year-old, what it meant was, I want Jesus. You know, like mm-hmm. I need Jesus. And so the yeah. words were basically saying that. And so when I trusted Christ, and we're, we need to talk about what the gospel is. And I'd love for you to explain that because you do talk about it in your blog a lot. But um, as Savior for my sins, and I and I prayed that prayer of repentance and saying, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need you. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the gospel message. And I kind of felt like, okay, now where do we go from here? You know, like mm-hmm. now I, I know the gospel. Now what? Like the gospels, right? You, you know, so now how do I live? And what's the the rules yeah. I need to follow as a Christian and all of that? And so, but what I've come to recognize more and more, and I've been a Christian now for like 35, 36 years, is like <laughs> the gospel. You're not that old. Alicia. Oh, yeah. I just told you what my age was. <laughs> you do the calculations. You can go back. <laughs> Go back, listen a little bit closer. You'll see how old I am. actually glass on right now because it's I, I I'm totally getting off track, but I had to get bifocals for the first time. Like I'm getting nearsighted. I'm like, oh really? This is really <laughs> happening. Anyway, the gospel I'm sure speaks into that too, right? Um, yes, you're going to have resurrected eyes someday, Alicia. <laughs> I'm getting new toes. You're getting new eyes. If you don't know what I'm talking about by getting new toes, you got to read the blog. A little sneak peek. We're getting real and authentic here. Um, yeah. So, but now I recognize how important the gospel is to our everyday life. And we're going to talk about more about that later. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I always thought of the gospel as, you know, recognizing Jesus as the savior of my soul. But I, but what I feel to realize is he's also Lord of my life. And the gospel means that too. And so, Right. Anyway, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how you grew up and your thought process. And then also, like, have you explained what the gospel is for maybe someone yeah. that thinks they understand, but would make maybe want a little more clarification on that? Yeah, what I think hits for me personally is, you know, we we just celebrated the resurrection of Christ on Sunday, Easter Sunday. But I think, you know, Alicia, I can't, I can't pinpoint when this really hit me, but I I remember actually when I was in seminary and one of our assignments was to write a, write a one page paper on what the gospel is. And honestly, I was ecstatic that I only had to write a one page paper. So that was like winning, but then it really made me dial down and think, how would I explain the gospel in just one page? But even more than that, how would I explain the gospel in one sentence? And if I'm honest, I think for, you know, I I grew up in the church, but I grew up not 
not knowing Jesus, I would have called myself a Christian, but really didn't, the Lord really didn't grab a hold of my heart and show me the beauty of the person and work of Christ um, until I was about 18. And so when I thought about the gospel early on as a Christian, I would have said, Alicia, Jesus, Jesus died for my sins on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that is true, mm-hmm. but that is incomplete. Right. Um, and, you know, you read through the scriptures and Jesus isn't the only person who died on a cross. So you can't, you can't stop there, right? Like, you know, on, on Good Friday, we remember the just agonizing, horrific death of Jesus on the cross, but it doesn't stop there. Like if we don't have the resurrection in the gospel, we don't have the gospel and we don't have hope. He, he has to conquer death. And so to answer a question of just how would I explain the gospel in, in a sentence, right? Um, that I would say that Jesus Christ came to rescue sinners and he died the death that we deserve to die and he conquered death and he's coming again. I have a, add a lot of ands in there to, to keep it one sentence, but to think about it another way, we could think, think through just the story of the Bible of saying, God created the world, right? Creation. And it was perfect. And then in, in creation, we were, we were able to not sin, right? It was perfect, right? Eden means pleasure. So the garden of even Eden, it was pleasurable. We were Adam and Eve were able to not sin. And then we see the fall, right? And Adam and Eve were not able to not sin, right? Like, they were not able to not sin. Double negatives. I know I'm the grammar nerd on our team, but it's true, right? They were not able to not sin. And then you see, because of redemption, we're actually able to not sin, right? Because of the redeeming work of Christ, you and I as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So we're actually able to not sin. And then you think about future kingdom. You could say kingdom. You, you could say some big theological word like glorification, but the future day kingdom glorification, we're going to be free and not able to sin. And so we can't get to that, that final kingdom without resurrection. And so I think what just kind of honestly, Alicia, even in writing this blog, I was stirred and convicted that I thought it wasn't going to come as easy to me as writing maybe a blog on oh, I struggle with anxiety. What am I going to say about this? Or I struggle with body image. How does the gospel speak to body image? But honestly, just as a Christian, Alicia, I want to, I want to be talking more about the resurrection because that's our source of hope. That's our source of joy and power because Jesus conquered death and sin. And so I think that's really important for us. And also too, I think just for anyone listening, if if you hear words like gospel and resurrection and and you don't know how you would say to someone, this is the gospel or this is what the resurrection means. A, that's why we're doing this podcast and that's why we have a couple of blogs coming out on it this month. But I mean, Paul, when he prays for us, he wants us to be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so this is our call as believers is to grow in these truths and the more we grow in them, the more we worship God, right? Like you, right. You, you read a blog on the resurrection and it should stir our awe and affection and love for God because we see him so big in what Jesus did on the cross and in what he did in 
rising from the dead. Oh, totally. Oh, you said so much. So I really hope that um, whoever's <laughs> listening can go back and just listen to how she explained that again, um, because it's so good. I mean, and I think probably Lacey, a problem that we have is that we don't really understand the gospel or the implications of the resurrection. And the mm-hmm. reason I say that is you made a point earlier when we were talking before we started recording that a lot of times you'll hear pastors say, you know, bring your neighbor, bring your friends to mm-hmm. eat your service so they can hear the gospel. And your thought was, why are we not sharing the gospel with those around us? And we feel like, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll bring you know, our friends or our neighbors with us on this one particular Sunday where we know the gospel will be preached. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. If I'm being honest with myself for a long time, it's because I, one, was scared to to share. And two, I probably hadn't really wrapped my arms around the sufficiency and power and really specifically what it was that I believed that people needed to hear, starting with, we are dead in our sins and we need Christ. And this is what Christ accomplished on the cross. Like, what did he exactly accomplish? Because I think, Lacey, a lot of us feel like we're not really all that bad. And even in <laughs> Christian cult, subculture, we hear this message all the time coming from a good place, but like, you're good enough. You are enough. You are loved. You, and we are loved. And, you know, in Christ, we are enough. But if we start believing the message that we don't need a savior, then the, the mm-hmm. power of the cross has been completely lost. And mm-hmm. to your point, every other religion out there, their leader, their savior never rose from the dead. And so right. that's hugely significant. And it makes me think of what Paul said in first Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12, where he said, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ had not been raised, and listen to this, then our preaching is in vain or empty. Mm. And your faith is in vain and empty. Mm. That is huge. For if the dead (laughs) are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ Mm -hmm. has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then Mm. those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Mm. in fact, Christ (laughs) has been raised from the dead. And it goes on. That's it. That's the essence of it right there. If the resurrection had not happened, one, we are are of all people to be pitied because we are living for a a kingdom come, you know, and we are. Yeah, I'm not going to do something else with my life, Alina. Exactly. Drink and be merry, right? Like, (laughs) because this is all, this is all there is. And in that, there is such little hope. And we've seen in this last year with COVID and all of our plans and all the things, like it can be taken away so quickly. But if we haven't anchored hope, our life is not empty. Anyway, I, I really do believe that sometimes we view the gospel as just this ticket to heaven, but it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's the answer to life. Right. I can't remember sometimes, you know, the sermon from two weeks ago or what I read this morning, if I'm being honest, but I can remember I've a pastor of mine at the time, he was my Sunday school teacher and his wife had mentored me. And I remember him telling me, Lacey, never move beyond the gospel. Mm. And that has just stuck with me, Alicia, for the last little, I mean, he told me that 10 years ago and I can 
still remember that. And it's still the good reminder for me that I don't move past this good news. And I actually need to drink more deeply, right? Like why did our hearts maybe feel a little bit more full on Easter Sunday? Because we were drinking deeply of the riches of the resurrection and the power of God to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. Of course, I mean, that's like eating a really good meal, right? Like we need to be feasting on the truth of this and all the more it stirs our joy in the Lord and love for his people. Right. Mm. Yeah. That the power is in the resurrection. There's something so supernatural about it. And Mm. I don't care how many self-help, you know, sexual (laughs) viewpoints, anything that you turn to psychological helps, like they will not have the power to transform. We can't let it get old. And I'll just give you a quick um, example and then we'll probably leave this for next, next time. But, um, cause we, we do want to talk about what that looks like. We want to talk about the implications and mm-hmm. how we actually do live that out. But, um, mm. you know, before we did Passover that day, um, a couple days ago, it was a tough day. It was a tough day for my husband with some work things mm. and we were all just a mess. You know, we were anxious, mm-hmm. we were feeling frustrated. There was conflict involved, you know, all the life stuff, right. That we have to live <laughs> in this broken world. My first thought was like, well, I don't want to start the Passover with all of us feeling this tension and this stress, you know, like I want to be in a good place. But then I felt the Lord was just reminding me, Alicia, the Passover itself will point you to the cross and that will be what will help you get past this. We'll put you in the right state of mind. We'll remind you of the truths that you need to give you peace in your heart. And so we went into it and I told my husband, I said, Jason, I'm like, I know, I know this has been stressful. I know it's been a crazy day. Let's just focus on the cross tonight and let's finish Mm -hmm. in prayer and not try to have it all figured out or put ourselves in a better place beforehand. And I will tell you by the end of the evening, and we started our meal at seven, went through the process, prayed at the end with, as a family. We were all in such an amazing place. Like God had done something miraculous, not because of the actual process of the P- Passover, but because what it did, what it accomplished in our hearts is it focused us back on the gospel, what Christ accomplished for us. Mm-hmm. That was so powerful. So that's just one little example yeah. of what we should be doing all the time in our life. And so anyway, super excited about talking more about that next time. Told ya, solid gold. And they're back the rest of the month. So until next week, let's be intentional to daily celebrate the fullness of the gospel as we seek to love God, learn truth, and live transformed.